0: what's up everyone this is the red and yellow kingdom podcast i'm your host scott joined by rich with your average everyday chiefs talk all of our episodes are available on all major podcast platforms just look or search for the red and yellow kingdom podcast as well as you can search for us on all various social media pages such as facebook twitter and instagram all right, uh, Rich, how was your uh, Monday going after the uh, win yesterday?
1: It's calm. It's always better when Chiefs win, so you're not thinking about why they lost. So I'm going to choose the word calm today.
0: Right. Um, you know, it's the second week in a row, though, that people say a win's a win. Um, but, uh, man, uh, yesterday was another ugly win for sure.
1: Hey, but the Um, Raiders can't say that a win was a win versus the Giants, right?
0: That is true. Uh, That is really true. So, um, and speaking of the Raiders, like I said, that that is actually going to be our, um, you know, our next opponent coming up. But uh, I guess we'll just kind of dive into the Packers game from yesterday, uh, which the final score we end up winning the game thirteen to seven, putting us at five and four for the year, making us once again. Over 500 for this season. So, starting out the game, uh, was the Packers got the ball and defense looked excellent on that first drive. Obviously, uh, the Packers only got three plays and only four yards off that first drive. Um, and they punted, uh, you know, to us for our first drive of the game. And, um, As well, well, if anybody that watched the game yesterday, that was by far this drive, the first one we had the game, the best drive of the whole entire game. Um, You know, it was a 15 play, 64 yard drive, which ultimately um, uh, put us up 7 0 in the game. But um, it was just one of those drives you love seeing. You had, you know, you had a running game going well, um, you know, passing, you know, here and there. Um, like I said, ultimately ended up being the, uh, Travis Kelsey touchdown pass, but, um, everything you'd want to see from this offense, you pretty much saw in that first drive.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I felt about things last week. And it's just the new offense that we'll have to get used to from the chiefs, right? is methodical, um, e- even on that last, even on the touchdown, right? Um, little bit of Mahomes magic, I would say. Um, not as not as crazy as it normally gets with them. But, um, yeah, it was just, like I said, It's I'm fine with it because it's methodical protecting the ball. People are getting the ball right away versus having to hold on to it and try to see if there's anything deep.
0: Right. And uh, the only thing that did come um, downside from that drive was that was the drive uh, that Lucas Nang, our right tackle, went down uh, for the actual rest of the whole game. Um, we were already without Mike Rimmers, who was our other right tackle um, that didn't end up playing the game as well. So obviously, um, Andrew Wiley, who normally plays better at guard, um, but he can actually play tackle as well. We put him in there. And um, as you can see, out through the course of the game, he really struggled um, there at tackle uh, playing against the. Uh, I forget who was it that he actually was playing the the defensive guy he actually was going up against most of the game. For it wasn't Sean Gary. That's right. Yeah, I was thinking it was uh no, I was thinking it was Garwin.
1: Oh Jonathan Garvin.
0: Or it wasn't oh no, sorry, no, it wasn't um, Dean Lowry. I'm sorry. That's what I was thinking of because no Jonathan Garwin's the uh linebacker, but it was like Dean Lowry and then was it uh, Kingsley Kiki as well? I believe from most of the game. I I know that Kenny Clark got hurt, so I know it wasn't him, and he's actually plays in the middle, but um he was like I said he was kind of struggling most of the whole game um from that aspect. But um as far as you know, our future uh drives coming after that, um, you know, obviously the well, sorry, let me said I go ahead. I'll go to the next drive, which actually was probably it started one of the most important things happened to our special teams. Um, in this game, was the Packers were driving? They had a nine-play, fifty-yard drive, and then, um, well, you call it. The, you, everyone's well. Hopefully, you've seen at least that uh, that Dan Marino, um, what is it, uh, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura movie, where it's like the laces are out, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like the it's like the holder got it, and then all of a sudden he just he, he almost had it all the way where he was, right. but it wasn't exactly a hundred percent, so he missed the field goal.
1: Well, then, uh, under the next one, right? I mean, which we you get to that. But mm-hmm. the next one, the snap is high. The kicker just gets it down. The laces are fully facing the kicker and it gets blocked, right?
0: Right. So that was, I mean, just those two um, drives right there. And then they could have gotten three points, both those drives. And they weren't have been down, you know, a point at that point. It would have been 7 6. But um, yeah, so at, at that point, you know, our special teams was playing like excellent. Um, obviously, not only, obviously, that we missed the field goal, but then we blocked that field goal as well. Um, But, uh, you know, to that point, you know, we're looking pretty good as far as on defense for the most part, you know, holding the Packers, trying to kick in a field goal um, or having them punt the ball, because there was a lot of punts in this game. If you guys have watched it, there was was more than enough punts to go around for both teams in this game, Um, you know, kind of leading up to, more so of the end of the first half um, we end up tacking on a field goal after um, they had the muffed punt that when we punted um, which is another thing to really discuss here because the funniest thing seeing on that was when the refs called that a touchback and i'm thinking to myself no
1: idea what happened there right
0: and i'm thinking out of all the things like why is that called a touchback i mean there's 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 so many other things that can happen on that. And it's they like call it. A touch
1: touching, <laughs> you can call holding, but yeah, it was a touchback despite touching two people.
0: <laughs> touch and, and so with that being said, obviously the um it touched uh that Packers um punt returner, which obviously that was uh Amari Rogers, I believe, actually. Yep. Um and um so it hit him and obviously once it touches him and the Chiefs get the ball, they can't advance that. So obviously we got the ball. But, um, you know, we had that really good shot there to get another touchdown. And just after four plays, we only come up with four yards and we end up kicking the field goal right there, make it at 10-0. So as you can see, the offensive struggles are still going on right then, um, especially in the red zone. I mean, and, and like I said, and so far, you know, during the course of the beginning of the season, I felt like our red zone offense was actually doing better. But as of late, it's actually not been as well. What are your thoughts on why, you know, so far our red zone offense is not clicking as far as getting seven instead of three?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think that's a lack of a possession wide receiver, right? You've got Travis Kelsey. We know he's not 100 percent. I mean, he got free for one um, in the first quarter. Um, But for me, that's really it. Like, what else can you do when Tyree Kill is about 590? He's not you know, really a possession wide receiver at all. You can't do no back shoulder throw. You can't do a fade. I saw someone on Twitter mention that. It's like, when's the last time Andy Reid called a fade route? I'm like, to who, you know? Um, I guess that's what you have Josh Gordon for, but um, he hasn't worked out or he hasn't, you know, been, we haven't been able to call a lot of plays to him. So, yeah, if you, you know, Travis Kelsey's occupying the center and everybody knows it's probably going to go to Travis Kelsey. Um, so, yeah, what, what more else can you do, right? So um, that to me at least is, is the biggest problem, right? Because you can run a a quick slant, but, you know, like I said, Tyreek isn't the best at catching the ball in traffic. Um, And then we already know that Andy doesn't really like to run the ball close to the goal line, right? Right. I mean, that to me is – that to me, for the most part, what it comes down to is everyone knows it's going to your tight end. So are you going to run the ball or then how can you – play a pass to a wide receiver where they're using their body to catch it in such a small, confined space, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that we ran these plays, what I'm about to get into, we did last year. We did a lot of it. We actually scored touchdowns inside the five-yard line on this play a lot. And I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but the Hardman end rounds or the Tyreek Hill end rounds, we did last year, and we actually scored a lot. So I don't know if that's just something that, Andy thinks that teams are keying on now, so they're not using that play um, to do that. But it seemed to work last year. Um, also, you haven't really seen – I think you've seen it maybe twice, uh, maybe three times this year, where they've done the famous, um, you know, toss to the inside to Kelsey or a fullback You haven't seen that as much either. So I'd like to see a little bit, you know, a little bit more creativity, a little bit, I would say, but also – um it's kind of vice versa on that too, because I hate when you do creativity when we're not really, we're not up by much or or trying to actually score. So there's a little bit of conflict in there um, because it it, it works sometimes in the past, sometimes it doesn't. So uh, I think we just need to find a better way of getting in the end zone. Um, You know, obviously when we have that chance because teams like this, obviously we know Jordan love played this game and not Aaron Rodgers. But we obviously think that if obviously Rodgers played this game, we would have needed to put up way more than what we did was thirteen points, um, for this game. So, uh, just with that being said, so we end up getting actually the ball back one more time before the half because the uh, Packers were driving, but then they had a fourth and five, um, which was actually good coverage on that fourth and five, which was on our thirty-eight. So they they didn't. It would have been a long field goal for them, already missed two. Um, they were just trying to get something going on offense there um, to get more points on that drive, which ultimately didn't. We got the ball back. We had five plays, 25 yards, and kicked that field goal, making it 13-0 at halftime. Um, and pretty much the whole second half after that, for the most part, is drives by both teams ends up in punts. Um, and I believe the Chiefs actually had three three and outs in the second half um, of this game and ended up punting the ball. But, um, you know, there was – I'm trying to remember some of the plays that we had in the second half that really – you know, that I, I, well, there was just a lot of different ones that were obviously Mahomes either overthrew uh, Tyreek, you know, downfield. Kelsey was open a lot, didn't throw to him. There was it seems to be a lot of miscommunication on the offense. One of the main things I noticed um, in that second half is the Chiefs didn't run the ball, uh, as, as obviously, as much as that first drive we ran the ball. So they kind of went away from that as well. I believe there was one drive where we got eight yards on first down. It might have been, I think, a screen to Williams on uh, eight yards of first down. And then we passed the ball the next two downs and didn't run the ball when he could have gotten two yards. So there's obviously still some conflicting there on offense, um, you know, on our part. But um, as far as on the defense, I will say on that second half, there was the interception that uh, Snead came up with, which I thought was an excellent play. Um, He's, he played really good man to man coverage. I think, except for, I think what, there was one play that um, I think he came in too soon on a pass and got, got past him. Other than that, I think he played really great, especially in the second half, including that interception. Uh I say what would you say your thoughts would be on the second half as far as how we played?
1: Yeah, like you said, it was just it's a very forgettable second half. The three three and out drives that the Chiefs had were in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, there wasn't really much of anything um aside from maybe the big confidence throw that Pat completed to Tyree Kill there at the end of the game for the first down to seal it. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, um, offensively, there wasn't much. Um, defensively, still kept bullets in, making Jordan Love's life a little bit more difficult um, and making the game even faster for him with, I mean, literally, um, <laughs> I saw some tweets out there with uh, play, Steve Spagnolo's play calls, right, is that Madden in a gauge eight. Where Mm -hmm. it's you blitz eight people and you just have three dropping in in coverage for cover three. So, right. um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's aside from the frustrations of not running the ball and just not being able to do much offensively, Patrick being off on most throws. Yeah. There's not much that we did well there in the second half offensively.
0: Right. And well, I will say, even though there was a lot of punts in the game, I there was so when I talked about special teams early in the, um, you know, blocked field goal, uh, the must punt by the Packers player Rodgers, and um, just the punting. I mean, obviously we punted six times, but I will have to say Tommy Townsend probably had his best game as a chief. He had five out of his six punts inside the 20. Um, it, it's very rare that we'll probably talk about special teams in games because something like this, but I feel like, you know, he actually, actually punted the ball very well, needed to be in those spots that, we always like to have the punt right for the other team to have it as well. So I thought like that was an outstanding job with the special teams played in this game as well. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that um, for sure. But obviously it would have been probably 13 nothing. Um I think we all know what happened the reason why the Packers scored that one touchdown towards the end of the game, but um you know, I'd like to say it could have happened to anybody, but of course it happened to, once again the same player that seems to happen to every single week. Um, but, uh, so yeah, they got that touchdown to, uh, was it love to, um, Alan Lazard there with about two minutes and 57 seconds left, um, off a missed, I don't even call it, I do not even call it missed, but missed tackle by Daniel Sorensen, obviously. But, um, so anyways, with that being said, um, obviously the chiefs, uh, escaped out there in the end, they had, like I so said, they had the ball there with the two minute warning and, uh, Patrick Mahomes made that nice. Play on third down to seal the game, making it 13 to seven. Chiefs. Like I said, with that being said, we are now five and four on the season. Pretty much the division is wide open, as you could tell. Um, You know, Broncos beat the Cowboys yesterday, so they moved to five and four. Chargers end up winning um, still yesterday, and then also the Raiders end up losing to the Giants. But we're all within at least a game of each other. It's going to be – and then we're halfway through the season as far as most of the games. So it's going to be an interesting division down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we have all but one division game left to play, right, since Chargers is the only team we've played. we got the Raiders game coming up this weekend on prime time. So without a doubt, I mean, it's uh, – we were talking about it last week where it seemed like the things – the stars were lining up for the Chiefs to regain their rightful place in the AFC – Bales lost to the Jaguars, which is in, in insane um Titans are still doing good. um Ravens came back on the Vikings as well, so yeah, I mean we're two wins away from being at the top of the division right, so um
0: obviously we'll we were going into the Raiders game, so obviously it's a divisional game this weekend very key game going into Vegas uh being the first time. We've been to Vegas uh, with actual fans there as well, which obviously last year, uh, due to COVID, they didn't have fans the whole season. So there will definitely be some Chiefs fans traveling there for the game this year. Um, So that will be an interesting game, which we will talk about later in the week. Um, But uh, based on so far this season, um, I kind of want to break down a little bit of some things that we had seen overall recently maybe the whole season, um, you know, so far this year, even though we'll have more of a discussion here in a few weeks during our bye week about pretty much an overall discussion of the whole team um, as a whole. But so like I was telling Rich earlier, I had this uh, segment in mind that I like to call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. So without being said, I like to say, first of all, with the good, um, the defensive line um, from yesterday pretty much just, now that we have Mark Ingram, who actually played 29 snaps, by the way, yesterday, um, him Melvin, being in Melvin there. Ingram.
1: Remember last week you said Melvin Gordon, now you said Mark Ingram. Oh my gosh. I'm tired
0: <laughs> of these Ingram and Gordon. Okay. I'm glad you reminded mind. Okay. So Melvin Ingram, can these guys change their names? I swear. All right. So no, Melvin Ingram had 29 snaps um, uh, for this first game he played as the Chiefs. Um, having Jones moved back inside, which I believe. He actually, I think he had a total of, yeah, 40 snaps at defensive tackle. And he only had two at defensive end um, yesterday, which his previous high for the year was 25 snaps at defensive tackle. So him being back inside and you had Frank Clark, it seemed like the defensive line was rolling. They were getting to the quarterback and I'm very impressed by, um, you know, hopefully it's a sign of them being back to what they were like. What are your thoughts as far as what you've seen, not only yesterday, but even towards the end of the game, the Giants game?
1: Yeah, I mean, defensive line-wise, having Chris Jones, his all-pro spot, be where he gets the most snaps at, makes much more sense. I think there was like a quote before the game where um, either they asked Frank Clark or someone else how Chris Jones felt about, you know, playing more snaps at DT. And he said he loved it. He said that's where, you know, he he does the most havoc. So he wrecks the most havoc. So he was glad to be back there. And then, um, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the first snap that Melvin Ingram gets in on, he bull rushes from the, you know, the, our left side, their right side, and creates a pressure. So that was exciting to see. Um, It's also weird seeing a 24 on the defensive line. Um, Very strange Kobe tribute, right? That's why he wore eight in Pittsburgh and now why he's wearing 24 in K- in Kansas City. But um, yeah, I mean, he was impactful on the few snaps that he did have. And that's something that I'm, I'm excited to see the growth there. Even Jan Reed really stepped it up as well. So um, it's good. You know, that's that's why he paid Frank Clark the money he's getting paid. Same with Chris Jones. And that's why you also bring in a guy like Melvin Ingram.
0: Right, and I'm glad you said Melvin Ingram too because <laughs> I, I don't know how I didn't get that down the first time. <laughs> and I've messed it up a few times. But, um, but yeah, no, I I love seeing what I've seen out of uh, Melvin Ingram yesterday, even like I said, even with him only having 29 snaps um, for that first game. So it would be interesting to see what he does in the Raiders game. He plays, you know, maybe 40 snaps, 45 snaps, something like that. We'll see. But uh, that was definitely a good sign from not only him – Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jared Reed. I think I said they did an overall great job in this game. So I'd like to see an improvement um, even more so um, this week coming up against the Raiders. So, with that being said, that was the good. This is the bad that I'm about to get into. And it's Josh Gordon and it's um, McCall Hardman. And I'll break this one in two parts. So, first of all, Josh Gordon, you know, when we got him, um, you know, we kind of thought like he was that guy that was going to get. The targets that Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey wasn't going to get. And even so much the snaps too as well. Like you would see him out there more. And it it could be Mahomes' other go-to guy. They were saying in practice, oh, we got a whole bunch of plays lined up for him. And it's been, what, five weeks now? Uh, Four or five weeks now since we've signed him. And I think he has caught one pass. Am, am I right with that one pass? Um, I have to
1: look it up. Let me see how fast I can get there.
0: I know he's probably only gotten thrown to about three or four times. and I know two of them are interceptions. Um, but uh, yes,
1: one reception for eleven yards.
0: Yeah, one reception for eleven yards. Um, and only
1: four targets total in the five weeks. So. My
0: question is, is and obviously we've seen them out out there blocking. It seems like every single play that he's out there, they always run to the opposite side or throw to the opposite side. So my question is, at this point, could you call this move, maybe an, I don't know if you would say bust, but it just seems like it hasn't really helped us in the way that I thought it was going to.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a bust because, I mean, you're signing him on vet minimum. The guy has has one- product, one really really productive year in the last what eight years so um to me it was one of those high roof low ceiling um type situations, and it's kind of going how I thought it would I just didn't think it would be this i want i don't want to say bad i just did i just thought he would have a little bit more of an impact where we'd try to get him involved a lot more um but not but nothing so far so I wouldn't say bust but um mm. I think the right word is probably or the right words are Underperforming as expected or yeah I mean um unfortunate maybe right maybe it's okay. just not working out from an understanding of what to do and then maybe he just really um isn't an NFL wide receiver anymore so
0: right and it's i guess you know it as you can tell, as Chiefs fans, um, you know we've over the four uh, course of the last few years, we've gotten uh, people like LeSean McCoy and uh, uh, what's his name um,
1: Bell as well.
0: Yeah, Le'Veon Bell as well. And then we had Josh Gordon. So you had guys that are stars that come to this team, and you think like they're going to make immediate impact. Well, it's not so much the case when these guys haven't really had like star years in like at least a couple of years in between when we've gotten them and when they were, you know, having breakout years. So um, I, I think that's probably why people all of a sudden kind of think like, Oh, it's going to be, um, you know, we're going to get this guy and he's going to go for like six catches for a hundred yards and two touchdowns or something ridiculous right within once he gets up and running. So it's not like that. So it, it'd be interesting to see how the chiefs use him more going forward. And um, you know, see if they can actually get him the ball, and or see what their really their plans are uh, in store for him going forward in the future um, of this team this year. Um, so then I come to this part two of this, which is uh, McCall Hardman, and I remember saying this last year that I felt like last year was his year to really shine, especially with Sammy Watkins being hurt, um, and could have been even last year his year that it's his time to make a break on this team. Well, you know, Sammy Watkins is not on this team anymore. So really coming in this year, it was really, this is, this is really his year to shine, see what he can do and bust away from the pack and see like, okay, this is the reason why we drafted him, right? This is, this is the guy that we thought he could be, he become, and he's way underperformed that. And, wh- and I could have said earlier this year, it looked like, okay, well, he's actually doing something. He's improving. But it, it and time and time again, on certain plays, he's just dropping the pass, or even on special teams, he's a nightmare to watch. On punt returns, it's just like you know, are, you don't even know if it's if the ball coming and he's five yards from the end zone, is he going to catch it or he's going to let it go? It's just I don't know. He seems to be his struggles seem to be adding up, and it seems to me like it's not working out the way we planned when we drafted him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys where I think he's extremely talented, has every skill, uh, natural skill available for him to be a successful wide receiver in the NFL, but for some reason, he just can't put it together to be consistent. He gets the opportunities for the most part, and there are games where it's like, boom, he finally made that jump, right? He's finally going to be consistent. There we go, and then there's games like this, right? So the end of the day, we just have to understand it is what it is, right? That's who Nicole Hardman is. Um, until he's able to show consistently that he can be a um, consistent, I wouldn't say a top target on this team, but yeah, it's just, you You just have to, we, we can't go back and forth anymore about, oh, well, you know, that was one game and
0: yes. Um, yeah.
1: he, when, oh, well, he had a good one too. It's that's just who he is, right? He's just an inconsistent player. That's also mm-hmm. why he probably didn't have a much bigger impact at Georgia. Um, he was their most electric player, but, um, you know, it was never really their true number one that you always game planned against. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just who he is. Um, I think he's going to be the next to Marcus and Robinson just hangs out on the squad, um, you know, on a yearly basis. We'll contribute in there, um, but nothing consistent. I hope I'm wrong and, and I would love for him to turn around because like I said, I love his, his, um, his skill set, but it's just not there.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I've been, I've been trying to support him for a long time, and I continue to. I mean, obviously, anybody who's on the Chiefs, I'll support them, um, no matter what. But it just seems like, um, <laughs> it just seems like time and time again. I think it's improving, and like you said, it's, it's that inconsistency that keeps, um, you know, him from being who we thought he could turn into be. And you know, it, I don't know all of, all of a sudden, you know, that changes. No, that's great. Obviously, it makes our team better, right? Um, but uh, like I said, at this point, it's kind of like it is who he is, um, and we kind of know what to expect from him. Um, And so the last part of this one um, is the ugly, and if you've been a Chiefs fan the last few years at least, you know exactly who I'm probably going to with this one, Um, and it's going to be obviously Daniel Sorensen. And At this and a lot of people feel the same way, I think, um, as well as we do. It's not so much as I blame him as I now I blame the coaching staff, even this equally amount for putting him constantly in there um, on certain plays or even, um, you know, more plays than he probably should be in there. Just real quick, um, I actually have, um, you know, the numbers from his snap count and obviously – through the course of the first few games this year, he was playing almost 100% snaps, at least 90%. Just in the last uh, four weeks, he's now playing under um, 40% of the snaps, which actually he had 22 snaps yesterday, which is 35%, and he had 27 snaps the pr- uh, previous week against the Giants, which is 45%. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, it, like I, I feel like there was – Someone out there on someone's practice squad <laughs> that's that's better, or someone even on this team that needs a chance to play in his snaps or half of it, even the, the low snaps he has now, to see what he has. Because at this point, I don't know what else really to say to not be bad about it or negative about it. Because I've like I think we've always had that joke year and year again in the last few years, saying, "Oh, he makes that one play every." That joke's over with.
1: Yeah, you can't say that.
0: <laughs> There's no joke about that anymore. It's just like he's just bad. And um, and I hate to say that, right? I not I really hate to say it about anybody on our team, but it's just, it's fact.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, right, I refer to Twitter because that's always the live commentary of what everyone's thinking. And everyone said, when in doubt, go at 49. Every time he was in the game, he was targeted, whether it was last week. Obviously, we're talking about this week. Um, and, and I don't get, you know, if like I get that, um, certain players might be good at certain things. His thing was, he was tough and he used to be fast. He's not fast anymore. He's so tough. He just can't make the play. Right. But they keep doing this thing where they sneak him. So they bring him up to the line as he's going to blitz. And then right before the snap, they drop him into coverage. Like, man, that that's not fooling anyone. And that's, um, um, people want him in coverage, as several times, you know, that was shown by us targeting him and him just getting completely unjust on the touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you hate to pick on somebody or, or beat the dead horse, but mm-hmm. it's like, man, well without a doubt, I agree. I don't know why he is still – he does anything on the field except for blitz. Like, that's one thing he's good at because he can get to the quarterback quickly and he can, for the most part, at least trouble him if he can't bring him down by itself. Um yeah, he, this Dan Sorensen has no business in coverage. I, you know, I jokingly said if he was a kicker, he'd probably already be cut, because um, you yeah. know kickers miss kicks mm-hmm. and they start to get cut. And whether it's blown coverage or missed tackles or whatever it is, um, but yeah, so I don't know. That's that's just one that completely puzzles me. Even twenty-two snaps on defense, that's still twenty-two too many. Because um, unless those are all twenty-two blitzes, then and yeah, that's too many for me.
0: Which all of a sudden it wasn't. If it was 21 blitzes, because we know there was one play he didn't put, so <laughs> touchdown. But, um, yeah, it's just – and I, I like to say the same thing. I don't like beating a dead horse um, about the situation. It just, it's a topic to always discuss because it continues to happen. It's just kind of like um, – which we didn't mention earlier. Obviously, the Chiefs didn't have any turnovers in this game, um, and that was obviously a continue topic we'd be having all season long um, since the first game this year. So there's improvement on that, but it's just like the Sorensen issue is just, uh, it seems to be um, every single week there's something to talk about with it. And I just, I don't know. It, it's its not really good to um, <laughs> keep griping about it, but it, it, it happens, right? It's just, it's always still happening um, okay. on that. So, but um, with that being said, I do want to go on to more of a brighter note and something that's actually was, you know, pretty good, pretty awesome. Seeing um, yesterday, which I'm not sure if a lot of people know about this, but yesterday was the Chiefs' 500th um, franchise win. Um, and some little interesting facts about that: um, the Chiefs actually have won 289 games at home, 211 away games. Obviously, that's, I mean, being that the case, obviously the Chiefs do win a lot of games at home. They should, they should have won a lot of games at home. Uh, 229 of those games were at Airhead. 44 of them was at Municipal Stadium, 15 was at the Cotton Bowl, and one was at Wembley Stadium uh, when they were a home team playing in London. Um, and also, as far as most head coach wins, um, three of the top coaches were obviously Hank Stram with 124 wins, Marnie Schottenheim with 101 and Andy Reid with 96 wins. And these are, when they talk about 500 wins, they mean regular season wins. So obviously people get confused with that and think, okay, well, uh, Andy Reid has over 100 wins with both the Chiefs and Eagles. That's including playoffs. This is just during the regular season. The Chiefs are actually the second um, original AFC franchise to reach 500 wins. I'm trying to remember actually who's the first on that um, for the original AF, AFL sorry, franchise but they're the 14th team overall in NFL history to win 500 regular season games. Um, so there's a little bit of some interesting facts on that. What are your thoughts as far as, um, you know, us getting 500 franchise wins in the regular season?
1: You know what I always wonder is if people really know these things off the top of their head before they happen. I'm sure, um, you know, there are people that are assigned to these things and are statisticians that just know these things. But most people, the first time we tweeted out, it's the first time we hear about it, right? Or, or right. Something. So, um, but no, I mean, it's it's cool to be one of the most winningest franchises in the NFL. We're in the top, I think we're in the seventh spot, if that's what I was just looking at. Uh, sorry, right. in the eighth spot, I might be seventh. Um, we're in the top uh, we'll, ten.
0: Well, we will be seven. <laughs> Put <it> that way. <laughs> um,
1: so that's that's always cool. Without a doubt, we already know what Andy Reid means to the um, NFL and its history. So, yeah, um, every win from now on that he gets, I mean, he'll be catching up, um, I hope, I should say, um, to Tom Landry. That would mean, I guess, he's he'd have to be around another, what, two years?
0: Two years would I give it. Because, <laughs> um, well, yeah, because real quick, so speaking of, that's the other thing I was getting into is Andy Reid obviously is now tied fifth all-time um, for regular season wins with 226 with uh, Curly Lambeau. Um, and because actually he has over 240 wins for playoffs, regular season combined. But as far as regular season wins, he's now tied with Curly Lambeau. Obviously, probably a lot of people don't know who Curly Lambeau is, probably, and obviously way, way before our time. Um, but you know, he was obviously longtime coach with Packers before Vince Lombardi. But, um, no, as I, I agree with you, I think right now, him sitting at 226 wins. Um, and Tom Landry, 250. That's about uh, 24 from being tied, 25 from um, taking his spot as fourth place. So, yeah, I would say, hopefully, as long as we can actually win games, right? <laughs> um, two years, I would say. But there's no way with Bill Belichick, uh, he's not going to catch him. Um, I don't think he's going to catch him being third place all the time. He's got 285, and obviously he's still coaching too. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. Um, As far as on that, I mean, so do you think, obviously, do you think he has a solid chance of getting number four over Tom Landry?
1: I would hope so. Um, You know, we always talk about Andy Reid's age and, you know, all the stuff that happens in his personal life. So who knows? I mean, that's a full – that's two really, really, really successful seasons that would make him catch him. So I hope, um, you know, for our sake, and if Andy Reid's around that long, it means we're – winning playoff games and hopefully Super Bowls too, right? Correct. And you know, the interesting thing is if you look down this list, and there's not going to be a coach to catch them for a while. I mean, Mike Tomlin is at, I mean, who knows when these numbers are from, right? They might be from a little bit earlier this year, but Mike Tomlin is just around 150. So is Pete Carroll, um, Sean Payton, John Harbaugh, Mike McCarthy. They're all in that 130 to 150 range. Those Mm -hmm. guys would have to coach another Fifteen years and win, you know, at minimum ten games to at least, you know, be up there in the conversation with these guys, which I think Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh probably can because they're, right, probably the younger ones out of that group, um, especially Mike Tomlin. But that's just, I mean, what Andy Reid has been able to do in his career is amazing.
0: Correct, and not only to win over a hundred games overall for two different franchises is something you probably won't see that often either. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, that'll be an interesting, that's going to be one where I can't think of, I mean, I can't think of a coach. I mean, if John Harbaugh eventually leaves Baltimore and then is at some other place, maybe, but that that's going to take a long time. Same thing with Tomlin, right? Or Sean Payton. Those are maybe the only two to three other coaches that can do that. I don't know if right. Mike McCarthy, I don't know how many he's won with. I would hope he's, probably more than 100 games with the Packers but I could be wrong cuz they had some rough years there but yeah I mean that's just that's just am- it's an amazing thing that both Andy Reid and Bill Belichick let's say have done with wins of course right Belichick all of them basically with the um with the Patriots but yeah that's 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 going to be one of those records that's very very hard to beat maybe Sean McVay will be the the one that gets closer to that
0: Right, and just actually real quick, do you know as far as the actual player who's won the most regular season games with the Chiefs?
1: Player that has won the most with the Chiefs? Hold on, let me think. I have to think. Player that has won the most. I feel like it's going to be an offensive lineman, am I right?
0: Yep, you're right. So uh, 131 of those 500 wins during regular season was Will Shields. Ah, okay.
1: Um, I was going to say, like, I was thinking, <laughs> man, I was thinking, like, Grunhard, Rove, but I was like, no, Rove wasn't, you know, I mean, he was only here a few years. Well, not a few years, but so, yeah, I guess Will Shields makes the most sense. He was one, the one that was here the longest.
0: Which is interesting because number two is Dustin Colquitt, who actually was a for a super long time, and he is 125. So, he's probably upset that he probably wasn't back with his team, um, you know, at least last year. Because he probably would have got – he would have broken the record, right? He would have gotten more really? than Will Shields. But. Sounds
1: like Bucker might be the next one close to that.
0: You would think uh, – as far as active, I haven't looked up. Because actually Tim Grunhart is actually 105, so he was listed as fifth. Uh, Terry Thomas was listed as fourth with 106. And uh, I believe there was a tie between Nick Lowry and uh, Jarrell Wilson with 108. So um, – yeah, I'm not sure where as far as active now on the Chiefs, but I would probably imagine you're probably right. It'd probably be close to uh, Bud Kerr being um, active right now for that. So, um, so that was something I felt like wanted to kind of bring up this a little bit of you know some achievements there for our team. Um, lastly, you know, obviously tomorrow is the big deadline of where is Odell Beckham going to go? Is he going to get picked up? By someone with that $7.25 million contract, which is only a handful of teams are able to do? Um, or is he just going to be able to choose any team he wants to after 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow? So I guess final thoughts on the Odell
1: situation. I have no idea what's going to happen. I hope he clears waivers and then can talk to a few teams. But the more and more I read things and kind of knowing, let's say, Odell's personality. I mean, the guy I lived in. Um, New York was a big city, right? But then he lived in Cleveland. I think he might want to go to a bigger market. So, like, as the time goes on, I think the Chiefs are slowly getting out of it in my head. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's got that, you know, mentality of, man, if I go play for the Chiefs, I'll be one, number one or number two wide receiver um, on any given day. But I think that's wishful thinking now at this point. What about you?
0: I think so too. I mean, I know, uh, came out yesterday. It seems like he wants to play in Seattle is his mindset. Uh, it just, um, and then obviously just the more I've heard about it too, it's just, uh, I don't see the chiefs really being a team that he'd go after. If it, if it is great, obviously we could use them. Um, and I think he could use us, um, like we were saying on our last episode, but, uh, I think ultimately he's going to choose a different team, uh, it, like Seattle. Um, Maybe Green Bay. I don't know. It'll be, it It just seems like it'll be one of those teams and us. It just seems too good to be true <laughs> if it ends up being us at all. But um, I guess we'll all find out here less than 24 hours away and see where he actually ends up with. So uh, with that being said, that is actually all the time we have for today. Um, later in the week, we will preview the Week 10 matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders which will take place on Sunday Night Football there in Vegas. Um, So with that being said, thanks for everyone listening today. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs!